Hey y'all, what's up? It's Father Josh Johnson here. And just a quick announcement before today's episode. World Youth Day Panama is happening this week. And so for those of you who cannot make it down to Central America, the Ascension Presents Team YouTube channel, we have vloggers available on the ground this week who are going to bring you daily updates of this amazing gathering of Catholic young adults whose faith is on fire for Jesus Christ. To follow along with them and their pilgrimage groups, be sure to check out youtube.com slash ascension presents and subscribe to this so you don't miss a thing. What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. If you're a first-time listener, here's how the show goes. You hit me up with questions dealing with anything and everything from morality, spirituality, apologetics, and all the above. Relationship advice at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and and all the other different podcast outlets that you find this podcast on uh, so that other people can find out about the show. If the show is helpful for you, then potentially it will be helpful for other people as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about four topics. We are going to talk about uh, demons and the paranormal. We're going to talk about same-sex adoption. We're going to discuss humility and its authentic definition. And finally, we're going to talk about spending the night with someone who we're not married to, but engaged. So those are our topics, all very good topics, great questions, and stay tuned. Before we jump into today's topics, I want to share with you a glory story. Many of you have heard by now because I talk about it all the time. Uh, is the Full of Grace Cafe, Quenching God's Thirst for Charity and Justice. It's this new ca- cafe we have on my campus here at Holy Rosary. And God has been doing so much. And one of the themes that I've been recognizing in this current season of my priesthood here at Holy Rosary, specific to the Full of Grace Cafe, is that whenever a gift and the body of Christ comes to the surface, then after the gift comes, a need arises, right? So a few examples. There was a guy who came by to to check out our church for some roofing stuff, and he and I were talking about the roof, and I said, well, have you seen my cafe? I said, let me give you a tour. And so I gave him a tour of the cafe, and, and we walk around the cafe, and and we pray together and talk about the Lord, and and we ended it by him just inviting me. He said, hey, look, I just want to let you know, if you ever meet somebody here who seems like a good candidate for a roofing job, just give me a call. Here's my card. He said, and, I, and I'll give him a chance. I said, great. Very next day, very next day, guy comes by. Not Catholic. He's in a parking lot of my church. He had a rough day. He just wanted to get away and rest. And when he saw my collar, he came up to me and said, hey, excuse me, sir, I'm not Catholic. I, just, I need to talk to somebody. So I took him to the cafe and we're talking and, and I offered him food from the food pantry. And I said, do you want to get food? I said, we could cook your family a meal. Like, you know, he said, I, I, said, I don't want to hand out. He said, I, I need a job. He said, work is just really rough for the season. I'm in construction and it's just not happening right now. So after we prayed together, I said, well, let me make a phone call real quick. So I called the guy from the day before who gave me his contact information and the guy offered him a job just like that. There was a gift that came on Tuesday and once the gift was available, the need came to the surface on Wednesday. Another thing happened. We met with a, a young man in my parish who has a gift of just his intellect. Right? He's very smart. 
And so after we talked to him for a while, he said, look, I want to offer tutoring to anybody in the parish who needs any kid. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm great at tutoring math and uh, I could do Saturdays. All right, cool. So this happened on a Friday morning. The gift came on a Friday morning, right after Mass. A few hours later, same Friday morning, a mother calls. Hey, my son is struggling academically. He needs help, specifically with, like, tutoring and math. <laughs> Whoa. The gift is here. Here comes the need. Like, over and over and over again. I had one of my buddies who fell away from the Catholic Church and had not been to Mass in years, and he came by to visit the cafe well, the day he came out to visit the cafe, one of the sisters was by. And this guy grew up with nuns. Like his mother worked with nuns. He has a, a love for religious sisters. He has not seen a religious sister in probably over 20-something years. The day I have a religious sister on my campus in the cafe, hanging out in the coffee shop, he comes by to visit. She was there. He arrived. His heart was melted. And since then, he's been coming back to pray in our church before the Blessed Sacrament. Right, the gift was there, and when the gift came, the person who needed that gift showed up. It's been really beautiful, really, really beautiful, y'all. So I just want to encourage you, whatever your gifts are, right, share your gifts generously. Because once you make your gift available, people will come to receive the gift. All right, that's the glory story. And before we get to today's topics, I have a few feedback. All right, the first follow-up comes from Kyle. Kyle says, my wife bought me your book for Christmas. I love it. Two thumbs up, five stars, highest praise of recommendation. Thanks for all you do. I pray for you and your ministry every day. Kyle, thank you so much. I, um, I'm grateful for your prayers, and I, I'm, I'm grateful to God that the book is, um, is a gift for you, and, and thank you to your wife for, for getting it. Uh, again, the book is available at ascensionpress.com. Uh, it's also in stores. I have a book signing today um, at Catholic Arts and Gifts in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, so next follow-up comes from a guy named Matthew, which is my brother's name, Matthew. Matthew says, just thought I'd share something I'd heard some time ago that might help. Victoria had said she often needed help from others performing daily tasks due to her health conditions. Well, one way of looking at it is that by allowing others to help her, she's actually helping them become closer to Jesus Christ through their service to her. This is so true, Matthew. Uh, so, Victoria, if you're listening, um, yeah, receive that. That's a gift. Yeah, yeah, your gift, Victoria. Don't forget that. And your gift that is helping other people grow in their relationship with the Lord. Okay, let's jump into today's show. And before I, I, I get to today's questions... If my voice goes out, I apologize in advance. You know, that weather is just crazy right now, and I am no exception to getting sick. And, uh, yeah, it's just been it's been fun these past few days. You know, waking up with all that stuff in your uh, throat, ugh, it's just been nasty. <laughs> but guess what? It's better than hell, so <laughs> I deserve hell. And God gives me the gift of salvation. So if I got to suffer with some little sinus stuff, then I'm good with that. Okay, on to today's questions. The first one comes in from, let me see, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Remember that Tony, Tony, Tony? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm, old school. All right, so Tony asked this. My name is Tony from the south side of Chicago, Chi-Town. I was hoping you could respond to my question in a future podcast. I recently had a pretty intense conversation 
with some acquaintances about the issue of same-sex couples being able to legally adopt children. I tried to be as understanding and respectful as I could, but it was very hard for these acquaintances of mine to hear out any of my arguments because of two main reasons. Number one, they are not as religious as I am, if at all, uh, which begs to question how I'm supposed to debate the topic of same-sex adoption when we cannot even come to an agreement on the existence of God or infallibility of the church teachings. It led to many tangents in the conversation. And, number two, they refused to hear me out because of their personal situations. One man in the conversation was a homosexual male, and he felt that it was personally attacking his ability to be a loving parent. Another woman in the conversation was actually raised by two women, and she said that she turned out just fine. Others would cite the fact that they knew someone or have a family member being raised by a same-sex couple and that their home is very loving, nurturing for their children. I know this seems like it's a lot to wrap your head around. I really do try to sympathize with everyone's unique situation. But by the end of the conversation, I truly felt attacked and was met with a lot of hostility for the sake of my beliefs. I hope I handled it in the right way, but any guidance from you would be tremendously appreciated. Thank you so much, Father. Okay, great question, Tony. So I prayed over this question for a very long time, and I'm going to share with you first a story, random story, then I'm going to what came up in my prayer a lot, uh, which, you know, again, I'm not infallible, so I assume it was of the Lord. It might be of me because I'm imperfect, but it did come up a a lot in my prayer. And then I'll end it with um, some application of the natural law. So first thing is just quick story time with Father Josh. One of my good friends, one of my good buddies, um, was at one point a believer, disciple of Jesus, and really helped me in my early years in my walk with Christ. And then after high school, went to college, and while he was in the university system, just totally walked away from everything that he stood for in his younger years. And he just entered into a lot of promiscuous relationships, and he partied a lot, and he drank a lot, and he just did a lot of things that just were not good for him. And so, of course, I went to university and left university, went to seminary, and uh, but I still remained in contact with his buddy of mine, not as much because of our lifestyles were very different, but we were very close. So we would make it um, make an effort to see each other a couple of times a year. And when we would see each other, I just I was filled with the joy of the gospel, right, because I was trying my best to struggling to to just live the demands of discipleship and, uh, and live in a relationship with Jesus. And Christ fulfilled me. And so whenever we would have dinner couple times a year, he would see my joy. All right. Now, this is a buddy of mine who um, he was not Catholic. He was a Protestant Christian, but he had come to Eucharistic adoration on a few occasions whenever he was still, you know, um, walking with the Lord before he went off the deep end. And he had some powerful encounters with Christ in the Eucharist. Powerful. But he still chose to walk away from Christ for many years. All right. So now we are seeing each other two times a year for like the next seven years where he's living his life one way, I'm living my life for the gospel. And finally, seven years into this, he tells me at dinner one day, I want to become Catholic. And I said, well, why? And he said, because of your joy. He said, your joy. He said, I see the way you're living your life. You were living chastity. You were praying every day. You're living in the sacraments. You spend time with the scriptures, the Eucharist, like I want what you have, and I've been trying to fulfill myself doing things my way. And clearly, doing things my way 
It's just not ever going to make me happy. Going against the gospel is not going to make me happy. And I want to be joyful like you. And so then he went to RCA and became Catholic, right? And now he's living this, this joyful life as a disciple. Hard, difficult life, but a joyful life as a disciple. So my first thing I want to just maybe encourage, Tony, is for you to stay in relationship with your friends who disagree with you. Stay in relationship with them and manifest to them the joy of discipleship in the long run. This is not an overnight one conversation conversion that's going to happen. It's just like a lifetime of relationship with you. If you can just remain with them wherever they're at, lean into them after you've leaned into Christ in prayer, they're going to see that you have something that that they don't. And they're going to be like, wait a minute, you are living totally in accordance with the gospel and your life is very difficult, but you're so joyful. That joy is contagious, my brother. So that's the first thing is I want to invite you to prioritize your relationship with the Lord and the sacraments of reconciliation and the Eucharist and the scriptures and, and just leaning into Jesus so that he can rub off on you so that whenever they're in your presence, they are really experiencing the presence of Christ. That's the first thing because they're going to want that. That is contagious. When I'm around people who are radically sold out to Jesus, I'm inspired. I am totally inspired by just being in their presence. Number two, second point. Remember, your goal is to be a bridge for them to get to Jesus, right? You can only be that bridge if you're spending time with him. And so if you are a joyful witness, then potentially they're going to, at some point down the line, they're going to begin to ask you about your joy. And you can always then drop your little nuggets of the reality that in the midst of the struggles of your life, your joy comes from Christ and your intentional relationship with Jesus. And if you can in any way, shape, or form invite them to a relationship with Christ, right, by just coming to a small group Bible study or by coming to Eucharistic adoration or, you know, any of the above, then what happens is this. Once little by little a relationship is, in, is established for them in Christ, then you are in a much better position to inform them and of the rules of Jesus, right? This is, you know, what Jesus actually teaches about this, right? This gives them the opportunity to wrestle with them. St. Bernadette would say this. She said, it is not my duty to convince anyone. It is my duty to inform, but not to convince. It's, it's God's duty to convince, right? If they have a foundation of a relationship with Jesus, once you inform them, like they will wrestle with Jesus and Jesus himself would be the one to convince them over time. It might take a year. It might take five years. It might take 50 years, but he will be the one to convince. Uh, the scripture that comes to my mind is John 6. Whenever Jesus Christ gave this new teaching of the bread of life, how he is the bread of life, how we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Right? Jesus Christ says this in John 6. He says, your ancestors, like they ate the bread that came down from heaven and they died. They passed away. You eat my flesh and drink my blood and you will have eternal life. All right, when he said this, he had two groups of disciples. He had the apostles who at this point were walking with him for a while. They were in an intentional relationship with him. And then he had other disciples who knew about him and who heard about the miracles and began to follow him because of what they knew about him, but they didn't really know him well. And when they heard him give this difficult teaching, many of his disciples John 666 says, notice what it says, 666, right? In John 666, many of his disciples walked away. They stopped following because it was too difficult. It was just too difficult because they didn't have a foundation of a relationship with him. Whereas the apostles 
did not understand what he meant, but they had a relationship with him, so they stayed. And over time, many of them came to understand and believe, right, the gift. I don't think Judas got it, but the rest did. Right? They, be, they began to recognize and understand because they remained in that relationship and they wrestled with his teaching. And over time, he won them over. He convinced them. So if we can just be a joyful witness of the gospel and invite people to a relationship with God wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, right, it's not up for us to determine who's worthy of a relationship with God. I don't care if somebody's out there like, like I've invited people to to Bible studies who tell me they drive women to the abortion clinic. I'm like, okay, please come to my Bible study. Right? I'm not going to say you have to repent before you come to my Bible study. If they come to my Bible study, then Jesus Christ himself will be the one to like convert their hearts. And they're going to repent because of him, right? He, they will. He always does it. So often like we put up this barrier. We're like, oh, well, this person said this. Therefore, I can't allow them to. No, it's like, no, whatever their perceived barrier is, I'm still going to invite them to Jesus. Right? I'm going to try my best to bring people to Jesus no matter what. I, like the story of the, the four guys who, who brought their paralytic friend to Christ and they had, they couldn't get to Christ because there were there was a door and there were people around the door and there were crowds around Jesus. So they literally went on top of the building and dropped them through the roof. No barrier should ever, ever come between us bringing people to Jesus. So that's my first part. Now on to the natural law. So how do you argue? Well, first of all, I don't like to argue, but I, I would encourage you to like, all right, propose to them the natural law. Now, all right, this started being addressed. Christina Mead did a great job on Life Team. You can just Google her her um, her article, her blog on how to apply this to for teenagers, especially. It's, it's a really good blog. She did just Google and um, same sex adoption, Life Team. Christina Mead did a great article with that. Catholic.com has also addressed this and a few articles on same sex adoption and the natural law. Um, basically, a child has a right. <laughs> a child has a right by virtue of the natural law to a mother and a father and a stable union, right? Um, where the mother and father will educate them, right? Educate them to to be able to grow up. So this is where I want to apply the natural law, though, right? And just because I have a desire does that mean I have a right, right? A child has the right, right? It goes beyond desire. They have a right to that. So here's my application, though, that might be helpful, is if a child is to grow up, say, in a, with parents who are the same sex, um, who certainly can manifest like care for each other and they can, can share things with each other and they can give to each other in many different ways. Right. Um, I would still propose it is a huge disservice to that child because the parents will be educating them not only in word, but in deed. And they would be witnessing that it is okay to commit sodomy. Say if it was two dads, right? Right. Two dads having sodomy, right? That, that, that is not a good thing for a child to grow up thinking that sodomy is okay, that sodomy is helpful for me and my walk, that sodomy is healthy because it's not. Even sodomy in a monogamous relationship is not healthy. And so it's scandalous for a child to, to grow up in that environment thinking that something that is not a good is good. Something that could actually cause harm to them, not only spiritually and emotionally, but something that could cause physical harm to them and be a source of physical harm to others. Here's an example that I want to use. All right, I'm back to story time with Father Josh. Two examples. All right, years ago, I was teaching theology body to some elementary kids, and it was like sixth grade, I think. That's middle school. 
I call it elementary, whatever. So it was middle school kids, sixth grade boys. And I was just trying to get them to understand the gift of the body and the uniqueness of the male body and the female uh, genius. And, and so I said, all right, what is this? And I pulled out a spatula and they said, it's a, it's a spatula. I said, okay, cool. Um, what is it used for? And they said, okay, uh, scrambling eggs, like flipping burgers, pancakes, whatever. I said, cool. I said, so clearly it, it has a purpose. I said, could I use it if I wanted to like jack up a car, right? A tire. Um, uh, no, what, why? Because it would break. I said, okay, so you can't do certain things with it. I said, what are some creative things you could do with it? They said, you could use it as a weapon. You could sword fight with it. You could swap flies. Okay, cool. So there are many different things you could do with a spatula, but there's also things that we should not do with it. It has a purpose and it has things that if it were used in other ways, it would not be good, right? And so we went through this whole thing. Then we were able to translate from that to the body, all right? Well, what's the purpose of the the anatomy, right, of a man, right? What's the purpose of the anatomy of a woman? So we began to talk about the man's gift and the woman's gift. And and I, at one point, we, we spoke about how girls have what's called eggs. And and this is just kind of a funny story. One of the kids then raised his hands. The kids asked the some of the best questions and some of the most ridiculous questions. And one of the kids said, wait, Father Josh, so <laughs> if girls have eggs, does that mean, like, wait, their eggs can be scrambled too? And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, the minds of kids. So anyways, that was just a story to, to lead into this story. The purpose, right, of things. Things have a purpose, right? Right. Um, so here's an analogy I'm gonna use. Analogies always fall short, but I think that it's the best way that we can just help people to see why everything has a purpose and it's supposed to go in certain places, right? We're supposed to do certain things with certain certain gifts that we've received. So here I have in my hand, you cannot see it, but I have a potato. I have a potato in my hand, right? We've all seen potatoes before, I hope. The proper place for a potato to go is my mouth. And when I chew on a potato, what happens is, is my body receives right what nutrients and it gets like it's sustained. It's 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 good. It is a good thing for that gift of a potato to go into my mouth for me to eat. Right? That's its proper place. Why is it going in my mouth? Well, because my mouth has a hole. Right. But there are other holes in my body. For instance, my ear. Now, what would happen if I took a potato and tried to put the potato into the hole of my ear? It would be very difficult, first of all. But I could like really like grind it into my ear. Okay, if I did this, what would be the fruit of it? Well, there would be germs that would happen because uh, like, there's, there's germs with potatoes and going to my ear so I could get an ear infection. I could also bleed because I can right, cause harm to my ear by, by putting something there that does not belong there. All right. I hope this analogy makes sense. The same rule applies for sodomy, right? It, it's just, it's a fact. Like the male gift is only compatible with a female gift, I was created with something that a woman was not created with. Therefore, the two of our bodies have the capacity to become one in a way that when they become one, fruit comes from it, right? Something life-giving comes from it. Namely, bonding and a baby comes from it. Just like when I eat a potato, I'm given energy, I'm strengthened. Good things come from eating potatoes. Good things come from the male gift and the female gift becoming one. If the male gift were to go somewhere else, right, it could cause physical damage, 
but it could also cause diseases, even in a monogamous relationship. Because that which the male gift produces, right, and that which is in certain body parts, like namely feces, when they come together, right, it's not like it, it is not like it, something. Nothing just happens, right? No new germs are created, just like if a potato went in my ear, right? Infections can come from that, right? Diseases could come from that, even in in a monogamous relationship. So this is why it is dangerous for a child to grow up in an environment where they are told not only a word, but hey, no, look, this is good. This is our way of showing each other we care for each other. Like love is not relative. Love is desiring the greatest good for the other. The ultimate greatest good is Jesus, but also a person's physical greatest good needs to be kept in mind as well. And if I love someone, I don't want to do anything that could cause them harm or that could encourage other people to do things that are not good for them as well. So anyways, this is probably the, the first time anyone's ever going to hear that application of the natural law for this question, but you asked me, you asked Father Josh, and that's what I gave you, right? If you want a more PG version, then go to somewhere else. But anyways, so those are my three main points is that we want to be joyful disciples. We want to encourage relationship with Jesus so that whenever they're given the rule that Jesus Christ himself will convince them. But then we also want to be just really practical, be really, really practical and look up research like studies that show the dangers of sodomy, right? Straight up. Like that's just the, that's the best way we can give it. Okay. If you have any other advice for, for Tony, then hit me up at askfatherjosh at suppress.com and let me know. All right. Next question is on humility. Right, we're jumping from like one topic to a whole another topic. All right. Humility. Uh, this is coming from Michaela. I like that name, Michaela. Uh, I have recently started listening to your podcast after one of my really good friends showed it to me, and I love it. You are so informative and relatable, and I love it. My question is, what is humility? Everything I've read on humility is what humility is not. But no one seems to be giving good examples of what humility is. The litany of humility provides a great basis for me, but beyond what it, that it seems very subjective, and it seems to be a becoming a hot topic. Thank you for your docility, the Holy Spirit, and using your gifts to lead myself and others to the Lord and sanctification. Have a great day. Great question, Michaela. So essentially, just to break it down in its easiest form, humility is reverence for the truth about myself. Who am I? Who am I? I'm a beloved son of the Father. I am a gift. Jesus Christ says in John 17, Father, they are your gift to me. We are all a gift. That is who we are. We are not to be defined by what we did in the past. We're not to be defined by our our mistakes or our virtues. We are to be defined by who we are, and we are God's beloved sons and daughters. That's that's who we are. We're also limited. St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us that we're very limited human beings, right? I, I have received gifts from the Father that I should share, but I have not received every gift. And so I need to acknowledge and accept my limitations and my need to be in communion with other members of the body of Christ to have gifts that I don't have because I don't need for my walk toward eternity that they have received because that's their gift. So I acknowledge this truth that I am a limited but necessary member of the body of Christ and I am loved by my Father. That's that's humility. And um, the lineage of humility is a great prayer. I'm sorry, whoa, my voice is like starting to really hurt right now. Not my voice, my throat. My voice, how can my voice hurt? My throat's starting to hurt. Oh, Jesus, in your name and through your power, if it is good for my sanctification, heal me. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. If it is not good for me to be healed right now, then God, give me the grace to suffer well. So I hope either I get healed or that I learn, learn how to suffer well. Um, yeah, so Lenny of Humility is a great prayer. It is a difficult prayer. 
Um, and it is not meant to like make us feel bad about ourselves, but it's it's meant to help us to recognize that if I have God, I have everything. And I don't need to be acknowledged by other people or be affirmed by other people because they're all passing. God is enough. God is sufficient. That's humility. So what do y'all think? Do y'all have any additional advice for Michaela? Write me at AskFatherJashAtAscensionPress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right. We're uh, back from our break. Quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you are feeling fancy, record a voice note, send it to me as well. We could play it on the next show. Uh, also, please don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the show. Okay, next question comes in from a person whose name is Anonymous. Anonymous writes this, spending the night. Hi, Father Josh. I'm a huge listener to your podcast. And I love it. My fiance is Catholic and I'm going through RCA right now. I was Methodist before going through RCA and I finally feel at home in the Catholic Church. Prior to my fiance and me dating, I was very sexually promiscuous, not chaste at all. Although it was a part of my religion's beliefs, I was not that involved with their teachings because I never got a definitive answer for why we believe anything. Once my fiance and I started dating, we were sexually active. As we started going to Mass more and more and I started RCA, I become more aware and the church's teachings, and why things are moral or immoral. Immoral. I know having sex before marriage is sinful, and so does my fiancé, and we've had discussions about it, but neither of us have really tried to stop. We're going to be married in less than a year and spend the night with each other a lot, as we are long distance, so it's really not an option. It's really the only option. I know a lot of people advise to not sleep in the same bed because that can lead to more sin. They're probably right, but it's just not practical for us to do that at all. I've been praying about this for over and over, and, and, I was, and I was concluding that we should not be having sex. But when we're together, it's different. We're so close to being married now. Is it really worth it to try and be chaste, Anonymous? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, first of all, thank you for the question, Anonymous. And I'm so grateful that you're coming to the church through RCA. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you, brother. Uh, as I was praying for you, what came up in my prayer was I think it would be good for you to ask God to give you the desire, right? A real sincere desire for heaven, right? The purpose of the church is to be a bridge for heaven. The purpose of marriage and the sacrament of marriage is to be a bridge for heaven. And when we really long for heaven and desire to be a saint, there's just certain things that we're not going to do. Pray for the desire to desire heaven for your fiance. Because I'll be honest with you, like sex outside of marriage is not something that we should, just because everybody's doing it, so the world says, does not mean that it's okay with God. God is extremely clear in the scriptures about the fruit of promiscuity. He is clear. And so the question is, is do you desire heaven for your fiance? And does she desire heaven for you? Right? 
Because if you did, then you would not put yourself in the near occasion of sin. Your friends tell you you don't sleep in the same bed. They're right. Like, that's like that, this. It's like an alcoholic going to a bar at night. You could pray, have a rosary in one hand at a bar, but if you go to the bar, you're going to get the beer in the other hand or the, the vodka or whatever your choice is, right? You put yourself in the near occasion of sin and we're too weak. Whenever you go to confession in RCA before you receive your first communion, one of the things you're going to pray is uh, this thing called the act of contrition. And in the act of contrition, you, you say, I will avoid the near occasion of sin, right? That is what you have got to do. There's a great book by Kevin and Lisa Cotter called Dating Detox. I would highly recommend it for you right now. Um, I think that you and your fiance, if you're asking me to be honest with you, I think that y'all need to take a quick break from each other, right, for 40 days and really pray about marriage and what it means. Uh, it is possible for you to spend time with her without sleeping in the same bed. If you are visiting her from a long distance away, she has somebody in her family or a friend or a coworker where she can go stay at their house whenever you come over and stay at her house. Or you can get a hotel and you can stay somewhere separate, right? Or you can stay with one of her family members or one of her friends or one of her coworkers. You don't have to stay with her, right? If you if you really loved her, which is desiring her greatest good, then I think that you would take steps to show her that you don't ever want to lead her to sin. All right, authentic love never sends the lover to the confessional because of sin. Authentic love always accompanies the lover to the confessional because of grace. All right, so you should never be the source of her going to confession. You should be the source of for for sin. You should be the source of her going there because you're convicting her with other areas of her life. Right, and likewise, she for you. Um, love never, never never draws us to sin. And so I, I think that you need to discern, like, am I capable in this season of my life? And is she capable of manifesting authentic love for me and me for her? Um, because it just doesn't do that. It doesn't. I, I'm just be, as your father, as your spiritual father, um, this is what came up for me in prayer. So, um, yeah, I'm praying for you to have a desire for heaven, a greater desire for heaven, not only for yourself, but for her, right? Um, and an example that came up, one last thing, is... is you know, before I was a priest, I was a seminarian. Imagine me as a seminarian uh, celebrating Mass. Like going to different churches, putting on a priest outfit and celebrating Mass. People say, you're crazy. Why? Because I'm not ordained. That's the same thing that applies for engaged couples who are having sex outside of marriage. It's crazy because you're not married. Sex belongs to marriage, right? If you and your fiancé are having sex outside of marriage now, then what makes you think she's going to not have sex outside of marriage once y'all get married? Right? Because clearly there's a lack of understanding of the purpose of sex. Right? How can she trust that you aren't going to have sex outside of marriage once y'all get married? Because marriage is reserved for sex. Right? So um, I just want to invite y'all to take this to prayer and really pray about getting that book, Dating Detox, by Kevin and Lisa Cotter. It's an amazing book, and I think it will be very helpful for you to be able to really discern if you are being called to the sacrament of matrimony. Um, because the purpose of marriage is not so that y'all can feel good about each other. It's to get each other to heaven. And grace builds on nature and perfects nature. And so you should be trying to get each other to heaven now in every aspect of your walk. And it's going to be difficult because we all have our struggles, right? I'm not saying that that you're not trying in other areas of your life to be holy. I, and this is clearly like a struggle. But like we've identified the struggle. And now let's do everything we can to fight against that particular vice. So I am going to promise you anonymous that i'm going to offer up this suffering that i'm currently experiencing right now in my throat for for y'all but i'm also going to fast for y'all and i'm going to take cold showers 
for y'all. I hate cold showers, but I'm doing it for y'all because I want you to know that what I'm inviting you to is difficult. Like the demands of discipleship are not easy, and this is not going to be fun, um, what I'm asking you to do, what God is asking you to do. Um, but you're not alone, and if this causes you any suffering, um, I want to suffer with you. I want you to know you're not alone. And I want you to know that I'm imperfect and I'm broken and I have my own vices as well and I'm still being purified from them. But I'm trying, right? I'm constantly trying. And I'm and the way I, I try is is really by avoiding the occasion of sin. And, and and there are vices in my life like like you, brother, where I'm like, ooh, I don't want to avoid the occasion. And I try to justify it. Like we can all we always rationalize that which we want to do. Um, but over time, God's grace wins me over and I recognize, no, heaven is worth this. And so I, I do my best to avoid the near occasion of sin. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Um, I do think that you and your fiance could be good for each other and y'all could become great saints one day. And so I'm not saying like y'all should like, you know, end, end your engagement, but I do think you should take 40 days to intensely pray and fast. Maybe do it for Lent. Take your Lent this year and, and really pray and fast. Uh, and fast um, from each other for 40 days so that you can open yourself more to Jesus. All right, do y'all have any additional advice? Let me know. Hit me up at AskFatherJosh at EssentialPress.com and let me know. All right, final question about the demons and the paranormal. I love your podcast. This comes from Bernadette. Oh, Bernadette. Ah, I talked about you earlier today, St. Bernadette. She's the one who says that it's my duty to inform, not to convince. So Bernadette writes this. I love your podcast. I have learned a lot about my faith through it. I have a question about ghosts and other paranormal things. What do we believe as Catholics? Are they souls in purgatory, demons, or nothing at all? All right, because time is running out, I want to give this, I guess, a good but quick answer. So basically, here's the deal. Whenever we're at home and we start to smell particular odors or things start moving around in our homes, um, our you know, lights go on and off or whatever, sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, there's a demon in my home. Not necessarily. It could be a soul in purgatory. Yeah, right. So souls in purgatory are able to communicate with us in that way to invite us to pray for them. Right? There was once a priest who uh, he was supposed to say a bunch of masses for people and he got all these like these like masses that were paid for by people to be said for their loved ones that he never said. He never offered up. And so in that rectory, some people thought it was haunted because like things were moving a lot and knocks were happening all over the place. Lights were going on and off, and like the the housekeeper was like like losing her mind. And so the exorcist went to that particular rectory, and knocks started happening. And it happened to where this desk was. They opened up the desk, and they recognized that there were masses, all these like mass intentions that had never been celebrated. And so they were like, "Okay, if your father so and so knocked three times." Knock, knock, knock happened. Okay, did you not say masses? Knock three times. Knock, knock, knock. Okay, cool. So then the bishop of the diocese gave all his mass intentions to every priest in his diocese because there were a lot of them, unfortunately. And once the very last mass was celebrated, all the extraordinary activity in that rectory stopped. That was that priest's way of getting to heaven, right? He needed his brother priest to help him in his walk toward eternity, right? He was on his way to heaven, but he had these, these things that had to be purified first. So um, if things are happening in someone's home, yeah, that could be a soul in purgatory. But again, could also be demonic if things are breaking. Like demons typically break things. Um, demons t- typically cause a lot of disorder and chaos, uh, and they try to scare us. So that could, could, could also require uh, you know, a prayer deliverance over the house. If it's just a soul in purgatory, I would encourage you to have someone say mass 
um, for the intentions of that home, have a priest say mass in that home, have the office of the dead through the liturgy of the hours prayed in that home. And if it is something else, then clearly um, you need uh, to do present deliverance. Um, demons can also appear as angels of light, and they can appear as um, as a soul in purgatory. But the difference in the discernment will come in whenever the demon would want the persons or person in that home to enter into a relationship with them and to want secret knowledge and things like that. Souls in purgatory would never want to engage with us for like those purposes. Like that would go against the scriptures. Souls in purgatory simply want us to pray for them so that we can recognize that they're still members of the body of Christ who they need our help. Like they in some way, shape or form have maybe have helped us in our walk toward eternity. And now it's our turn to help them in their walk toward eternity, but they would never want to engage us in a relationship to give us like secret knowledge. Um, that's demonic, right? That's, that's, that goes against what would be of God's will. Uh, so, so yeah, we do believe in a lot of like paranormal activity and the ghost and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, I think that is sufficient for, for now. Uh, if y'all want me to go deeper, hit me up with some more questions about that and we could do that at a later time. Uh, so that wraps up today's show, regardless of what your circumstances are. Here's some things I think we could take away from today's questions. Universal point regarding the ghost and paranormal just recognize we're all members of the body of christ and we all have a gift and once a part of the body of christ always part of the body of christ and so um just as i have loved ones who were gifts to me in my walk with jesus and now they've gone into eternity i I have a responsibility to continue to pray for them to become great saints and in their walk toward being um, made perfect in the kingdom of heaven when it comes to spending the night don't do it. Uh, <laughs> avoid the near occasion of sin. I mean, and really pray for the desire to avoid the near occasion of sin. Uh, whenever it comes to same-sex adoption, uh, uh, remember that the, we have three roles. Be joyful witnesses, encourage relationship with Christ, and be practical in our expression of the natural law. Um, and then leave it at that and just continue to remain in relationship with people who disagree with us. Because I have people right now in my life who I disagree with, but I'm still close to them and I still care for them and I still am intentional with being in relationship with them. And I have people who also disagree with me for whatever reason, and they I'm very blessed to say have remained in relationship with me. And so I, I think that we have to become uh, uh, mature enough to be able to abide in community with people who we disagree with them and who we don't, you know, right. Whatever. We don't have to like everything everybody thinks or says or preaches. Um, and finally, uh, whenever it comes to humility, just remember the truth of who you are, right? You are loved by our father. He's a good, good father. So for our prayer, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, draw us closer to you, into a deeper relationship with you. Even in our struggles, even in the difficulties of our life, even where we struggle with the demands of discipleship, Lord, we ask that you give us the grace to lean into you. Lean into you, Jesus. 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 For you are sufficient. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me and my walk toward eternity and for everyone in my community. Give me the grace, Jesus, to lean into you now and always. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I cannot wait to continue to walk with you. 
And uh, hit me up with more questions. Ask Father Josh at ascensionpress.com. Don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes. And pray for me to be able to suffer well because my throat is hurting. Praise be Jesus Christ now and always. (laughs) 